0: So a number of years ago, one of our former presidents was on a talk show, and uh, this former president was asked what he sees being one of the greatest issues in our country today. And he said, the greatest problem facing America today is that we do not share a common baseline of facts. And I think we all go, well, duh. (laughs) That was an easy one, right? And more and more people, as we've gone through the last two or three years, recognize that that is the truth. No matter what side of the aisle you may be on politically, it's fair to say that when two people of different political persuasions or whatever other divide we create, there has a tendency to be uh, not a common baseline of, of facts. Now, this abandonment of truth was what we call it. It's, it's something that just didn't happen like in the last five to ten years. It's something that actually started in the 1960s. It's something that we call postmodernism. Prior to the 60s is what they call the modern era. That went from the late 1800s into, uh, through the 1950s. In modernism, their approach was theoretical, objective, analytical, where postmodern moved into this uh, more subjective approach. Modernists were searching for abstract truth, whereas postmodernists didn't believe in an abstract truth or a universal truth. So we went from that there is this universal truth to Postmodernism, where nah, your truth is your truth, mine, truth is mine. And then postmodernism, as we have talked a couple of times before, now we are moving into what is called the post truth era, where we deconstruct all truth. So it's important for us to realize that this abandonment of truth is really a product of our own culture. If you grew up in the 60s or later, you are part of the postmodern culture. And maybe you had a piece in it. Maybe you had this, a piece in this move into this postmodern, post-truth world. David Foster Wallace, who is not a believer, wrote this a number of years ago, right before his death. He said, What has been passed down from the postmodern heyday is sarcasm, cynicism, suspicion of all authority, suspicion of all constraints on conduct, a terrible penchant for ironic diagnosis of unpleasantness, Not sure what that quite means. Instead of ambition and a diagnosis to redeem. In other words, which, if you look at our culture, this does sound familiar, right? We have a little bit of cynicism in our culture today, right? Maybe a little sarcasm, maybe a little suspicion of authority. Maybe a little suspicion of constraints on conduct. It's all through the culture. And what happens is what is in the culture and goes through the culture eventually comes into the church. And we see it in the church. There's cynicism within the church. There's sarcasm. There is suspicion of all authority in the church. We have become cynical people. We are in the midst of a war between truth and lies. But what we need to realize is that this war between truth and lies didn't start in the 60s. It started at the beginning. It seems a little more intense today, but this battle between truth and lies has been going on since the beginning of humanity. Deception is at the root of almost every single problem we face in our society today. In fact, the Bible and Jesus' teaching warns us constantly of false doctrine, false teachings, false teachers... For Jesus, deception is the root of all that is messed up. And for Jesus, deception is tied to temptation, which is tied to sin. So for for Jesus, we are deceived, and that that deception leads to temptation, and then that temptation leads us into sin. Last week we began this series called The Great Deception and in the message that I shared last week, I shared that throughout church history and in the Bible, the teachers taught three enemies of the soul. And basically those three enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. We began to take a look at the enemy of our soul the devil last week as we were in John chapter 8 and we talked about satan's primary st- strategy is deception i mentioned John 8 that jesus ties his discussion in John 8 about the dev- devil all the way back to John 3 which is where or excuse me Genesis 3 where we have the story called the fall adam and eve Last week, we talked about truth being reality. Um, We know the phrase, a dose of reality, and my truth may be my truth, but when it hits reality, we know whether my truth is my truth. And I use the example is, my truth may be that I can fly, but as soon as I get on top of the building and jump, reality will tell me what the real truth is. We also talked about ideas and how we are as humans are the only creation, the only creatures in creation that can envision something that is unreal. Example I used is the Jetsons cartoon from the 1960s and if remember from the pictures they even had, you know, the doctor on the monitor screen You know, back in the 60s, somebody envisioned that we would be at home and we would video chat with a doctor about our problems. That was, I'm just saying, I mean, I was only a kid in the 60s, but that was the farthest thing from my mind. I would have never imagined, but somebody had the vision for it and that being being able to envision what is unreal is what creates this creative ability that we have it's what is creates entrepreneurs doing these amazing things but there's a dilemma with this if you remember we talked about we can also envision what isn't truth Meaning, lies can become our truth. I also began to talk about how, as we identify lies, it's really hard for us to identify lies in our own life because those lies in our own life have become our truth. And so the hardest person... It's really hard for me to know what areas of my life are living out a lie because that lie has become my truth. The best deceptions are these. One, where it is mostly true. So something is shared, it's 95% true, only 5% of it is a lie, but we 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 sell it all as truth. That's one of the greatest ways to deceive. Yeah, this is the truth, but it's not full truth, and then we emphasize the lie. A second kind of deception is this it's truth, but not the whole truth, meaning We only see one side of the conversation or one side of the story. This is where most conflicts happen in relationships. Okay, I listen to only one side. This happens in politics all the time. And it's funny if you really pay attention to politics closely. It happens all the time. It happens in our news media. Only one part of the story is told. Not the other part. And just so we know, conservative media and liberal media, they all do it. It's the most amazing deception that our world has thrown our way. I I think Terry and I, we stopped watching the news a couple of years ago. Because it it was just amazing how often you would watch this channel and the And this would be the truth, not the whole truth. Then you go over here, same story, a different truth. Again, not the whole truth, only a part of truth. Great deception. Another kind of deception is where we oversimplify the complexity of a human experience. An example of this would be like homosexuality. We simplify it saying... If somebody wrestles with same-sex attraction, homosexuality, they're a sinner, they're going to hell. But the deception is, they're wrestling with something that is really no different than somebody wrestling with some other temptation and sin. And there's so many underlying complexities within this wrestling that the... The deception is we lump them all in a box and say you're going to hell and that's it. Another example is racism. It is when we call, because in our country the predominant thing was white people being racist to black people, slavery, we lump all white people and say you're all racist. All kinds of people do this and we do this it's a deception and the devil uses it all the time he's the master deceiver so following truth versus following lies is really it's a hard journey for us to do jesus talked about the devil and his strategy in John 8. And that's what we looked at. And I'm just going to revisit two of the verses that we looked at last week. John 8, 44 and 45. Jesus says this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Remember now, Jesus is talking to religious leaders of the day. He said, and this is about the devil, Jesus is saying he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Some translations, as I pointed out last week, rather than native language, they say out of his character. The idea is that he is, his lies come out of who he, he is. That's, that's just who he is. He is a liar. Verse 45, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Out of this passage, there was three things that we saw that Jesus pointed out for us. Those three things are this. The devil is real. The goal of the devil is to kill and destroy. And as I said already, his main strategy is deception or lies. Today, we're going to take a look at... Genesis chapter 3, because this verse, this passage in John 8, is tied to Genesis 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 3, otherwise it's going to be up here on the screen. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat from the fruit, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and ate it. There it is. This is what we call blame shifting. (laughs) Do you like that? Yeah, it was the woman you put here. It's all the woman's fault. Or, in fact, it's all God's fault because God put the woman there. Oh, it's the best thing to do. Let me tell you blame God for everything. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate it. Well, there you go. Blame shifting again. This time it's the serpent that did it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his feet. Again, we see there at the end, this blame shifting. And I want you to, to notice something here. Is that Adam and Eve are deceived, right? And one of the things we've been talking about is we get deceived because of our disordered ideas, because of our culture, because of our, the untruths that we have learned from the time we were young. Get this. Adam and Eve had none of that. They had no father wound. They had no bad experience with another human being telling you they're not going to make it, you're not going to make it in the world. They had none of that. They were in the garden, perfection, walking with God daily, and they were deceived. No wonder we get deceived all the time. If Adam and Eve, who didn't have none of that, get deceived, we have to be careful. In verse 15, the closing line is what Jesus is referring to in John 8. Let me just look at that verse 15 again. He says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head And you will strike his heels. You see, for Jesus, the religious leaders are the offspring of the snake, the devil. That's some pretty strong words, don't you think? I mean, um, you are, you're the child of the devil. I shared last week that the devil didn't come to Adam and Eve with a sword or a gun or threaten them to eat. Satan brought ruin to the world through an idea. And today what we're going to talk about is ideas, the, the good and the bad, and there are three questions that philosophy shares with us and says, here are the big questions in life, and this is where some of our ideas come from, and the first um, three questions are, are this, who is God, who are we, and how do we live? Another way to look at these questions is this, theology, anthropology, morality, in other words, theology, the study of God. Anthropology, the study of mankind, or identity, morality. How do we live life on this earth? Another way to say it is, what is the meaning and purpose of life? What, what does it mean to be Humans, what is the good life? Satan comes to Adam and Eve... With lies in each of these three areas. In verse 5, Satan comes to Eve with lies about who God is or theology. Verse 5 For God knows that when you eat from your eyes, eat from it, your eyes will be open. God knows what and when, that um, your eyes will be open. The translation behind this is this, that God isn't who he claims to be. So devil was coming to Eve and saying, hey, God's not who he really is. He, he's not, he doesn't care for you. He, he's, not, he's not that good. I mean, he, he's holding back from you. Come on! Why wouldn't He let you eat that fruit? This deception is amazing because it distorts the truth about God. God is not generous. And yet, if you think about it, there's a whole garden of trees with fruit. There's only one. Only one that Jesus says, or God says, don't eat of. So, Satan directs their eyes off of the blessing of the whole garden and all that they have to focus on the one thing that they don't have. Satan also attacks the question about who you are or anthropology when he says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. What does it mean to be a human being for the devil? He comes to them and says, you will be like God. Translation, you're not a human being with a place in the cosmos, a place... Just just below the Creator and above creation, both with lots of potential and lots of limitation. but you are more than just made in the image of God. You are God and you can direct your own life and you can do whatever you want because you are that important. You don't need God. Be whatever you want to be. Be true to yourself because that's all that matters. Does this sound familiar? Is this not what our culture tells us today? But we have to understand that this lie has been around since the beginning of time. The devil hits the last question on morality what is a good life? In verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. The fruit is desirable for wisdom. Translation, ignore all the other trees. Ignore all the blessings from God. Instead, focus on the one tree. Eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter what God says. Because you are wise enough. You have all the wisdom that you need. You see, when you can do whatever you want, then you will be happy. That's the heart of the lie right there. When you have the freedom to do whatever you want, be whoever you want, happiness comes. These lies are still going on today. They may be different, but they are there. The culture answers these three questions, who God is, who we are, and what is the purpose of life this way Culture answers who God is by saying there is no God. That is what secularism is about. That's this postmodern, post truth area. There is no God, it is atheism. And this answer that the culture gives us about God, that there is no God, is a disaster to our world because. The answer to this question, who is God, impacts the answer to the next two questions. You see, who you think God is affects who you think you are and what you think your purpose is in life. Another way of saying this is... morality, how we live our life, what our purpose is, is based on our anthropology, what we believe about ourselves, and it's based on our theology. In other words, if we believe about the good life, if it is based on this belief of what it means to be human, which is in turn based on what it means we believe in God, is there a creator and creation? Or is it just evolution theory and just a blind chance happening? There's a radical difference between your response. So if you believe there is a creator, then you believe there is a design. And if you believe there's a design, then you believe there is intent that nothing is an accident, and if there's an intent, then there is a morality, that means there is wrong, there is right, there is good, there is evil, there is life, there is death, and if there is morality, then there is accountability, meaning there is a way to live, there is a right and wrong. We as humans in our culture, we don't want accountability. As I said already, we want to do things our way. We, we want to design God our way. We want to live life our way. How many times have you heard, well, my God would never do that. That is a world that wants to design their own God. Now, flip this. If there is no Creator then there's no design. And if there's no design, then there's no intent. And if there's no intent, there's no morality. And if there's no morality, there's no accountability. Who are you to judge me? Because your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. Sound familiar? You see, all of this began with an idea at the beginning of humanity, when the devil came to Adam and Eve and said, is God who really God says He is? You see, today, um, all we have in our culture today is social media and media in general that has alternative facts and philosophers that deconstruct the world and the truth. The world out there is saying there is no truth, there is no God. But this strategy is as old as time, and it still works. The question then is, why is Why does Satan use this strategy? Why does he use just an idea? Because the Bible tells us that we are transformed by the Spirit and by truth. And it is the Spirit and truth that sets us free to live life the way God had intended. The Spirit... Being God's presence, His empowering presence in our life. The truth being that which is real, meaning that when you bump into it, you know it is truth. We need both spirit and truth. And I will be going into this more in depth next week. But on the flip side, it is isolation and lies that deform us into the image of the evil one. What what does the devil do in the garden? He waits until Adam and Eve are away from God. He gets them alone. And he says, did God really say that? This This is the devil's signature move to isolate you. To isolate you and then give you an idea that is a lie. Notice in your life, I know this is true in my life, most of my bad decisions were made when I was by myself. Most of the times when I sinned, did whatever that was that was contrary to the will of God whether morally or what spiritually or whatever it was when i was alone and by myself it is the devil's signature move you see today the devil tries to cut us off from jesus and our community the church <laughs> This is one of the reasons why the church is so important. The church is not perfect because it's filled with a bunch of us people who are imperfect and we believe lies at times, so it is imperfect. But the idea behind the church was so that we together would not get isolated from the presence of God and from truth. Today, one of the things that the devil uses more than any other to isolate us is technology. Yesterday, we had our Tools for Today seminar, and Dave Eisenman talked about how healthy boundaries around technology are hugely important. Because, and these are my words, the devil can use technology to isolate you from others and spread his lies. You can be in the same room, have your phone, and just be on your phone, and be isolated from a person three feet away from you, and you could be reading lies, half-truths, deceptions, And the more you read those, as we learned yesterday from the tools for today, there are algorithms that when you watch a short video or when you stay on an article longer all the way through, the algorithms say, hey, bring these. So you get more of them. And as Dave said yesterday, they get more extreme. The more you watch, you stay on this one. And it gets, takes you a little farther. You watch all of that. It takes you a little farther. Watch it all the way. The other side of it is if only you watch for like 10 seconds and you move on, the algorithm says, hey, this topic, they're not interested. So they show you something different. The point is the algorithms and technology are meant to bring you down roads of extremity, extreme, where all of a sudden now you are hearing only one side of the story. And when we only hear one side of the story, we are deceived. Technology. A really, really good thing. But like any other good thing, Satan can take and use it to bring deception in our life. You've heard over the last couple of weeks about this Connected 3D campaign coming. It's here today. So our Faith at Home team and our staff want to invite you to join in this Connected 3D campaign. And I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about this. And uh, Jen and Matthew and some of the ushers are going to be bringing a packet like this around to you. Those of you that are watching online, you can participate in this campaign team too. You just email us at the church and we can get you one of these packets.